I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk, and welcome back to Buckeye Talk for Tyler Shoemaker, our first 2023 season edition with Tyler, who uh, you all know, I hope, from listening to Betting the Buckeyes with he and Doug throughout the season, but he's been our resident. Uh, odds maker here on Buckeye Talk going on uh, a few years now. Tyler, welcome back to the show. Yeah, and great great to be back. First uh first time this this year, I guess, cuz the the last show we did was uh right before the the Peach Bowl New Year's Eve, so first time this year, so it's good to be back. All right, so we, yeah, it would even be first time this calendar year. I was just thinking for this season, but yeah, that makes sense that so we haven't haven't heard from you in a while, but we sought <laughs> you out because you just dropped uh, as you do throughout the season, and and you become a, a a must follow for I think a lot of fans of Ohio State who've gotten to know you. But you just dropped your 2023 rankings, uh, your ratings, however you want to to call that. I suppose um, I should defer to to what you call them. But um, you actually this year called it the index, the 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 tissue index. Kind of um, has there been a change in what you're doing or some adjustment to what you're doing? And if so, what's different? Yeah. Uh, so the first thing you said, so I did, I did give my numbers a name or it's the, the tissue index TSI. It's just so much easier than constantly saying like, well, my numbers think, or my model says, or it just, it, it gets exhausting saying that over and sure. over. So having, having TSI to just reference, you know, real, real quick, makes it, makes it nice. But in terms of differences, um, I did, I am really excited about my ability or, what I perceive to be my ability to quantify and reward and penalize teams that really develop their talent well and teams that don't develop their talent well, because a lot of times with these preseason ratings, a lot of it, you know, so much of it is your recruiting ranking and the, and the talent you have on your team. But I, I really spent a lot of time thinking about, I need to figure out how I can reward, you know, the, the Illinois, uh, the the Iowas, the Minnesotas, those type of teams that don't recruit at a super high level, but you know constantly are winning seven eight games, and 
and figure out how to quantify that. And I think I've done a good job of that this offseason. We'll see how it works out. But I am excited uh, about the numbers. Interesting. So because I, I, I've always been sort of fascinated by that, like guys like you, what sort of tweaks are you making without getting too far into the proprietary part of, of this algorithm? Because it is what you use to put out your picks and things each week. And I would definitely advise people to come back now that especially gambling is legal in Ohio. If you can uh, partake in that on a a, 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 a recreational basis and, and you're interested in it, then Tyler's a good guy to follow. He, I did very well in my NFL pool last year. That was solely the, the, before it was the TSI, I was just riding the TSI and it, it worked out well for me in my meager pools that I do. So what goes into the numbers that you just put out? Like from a, from a basic standpoint, I don't want somebody to be able to reverse engineer it, but what are you looking at sure. when you come up with these numbers, especially these preseason numbers that then over the course of the season get kind of baked at, or get kind of whittled out as you're getting yep. new data? Yeah. So the, the preseason numbers are a combination of your four year uh, weighted recruiting average, which I, I assign the weights as kind of my proprietary thing. I do I do reference the the two four seven composite. Um, so that's kind of my baseline for for my talent ranking. Um, but then I put my own weight, assign my own weight to each class, uh, how I think that that is going to play out in terms of performance on the field. And then the other component that I really look at that I spent a ton of time really evaluating my process with this this off season is how you've done in recent years. You know, it, it's hard because 2020 is kind of in there recently. And that was, so honestly, I, I threw 2020 out. The The data was just too jacked up. Like, yeah, I mean, yep. that's the thing. I, when I did my, cause I've, I've done my historical ratings now going back to 2013. And when I was looking at, like when I was doing my 2020 ratings again, like BYU was like number two. But then I looked at like FEI and SP plus and like they've got Buffalo, you know, and Miami of Ohio up there. So I don't feel bad, but I had to throw the data out because it's that that's not going to inform anything for 2023. So I basically looked at 2019, 21 and 22, uh, 2022. But beyond that, really focusing on, OK, what type of continuity has this program had and how has that result? How has that correlated with their power rating in each given year and then kind of used, you know, created a formula there and then used that in conjunction with their 2023 weighted uh, talent score to come up with their 2023 rating. So the reason we wanted you to come on was mostly to talk about what all these numbers are going to mean for Ohio state, what your numbers say about Ohio state and how they got to that number and what you as an Ohio state fan think of that number, because you're both, you're looking at it, cold, hard facts, and sometimes those cold, hard facts just stab you right through your scarlet and gray heart. So we're, we're going to talk a lot about Ohio State. And then that's going to be like first segment, what we're doing right now. Second segment, kind of keep holding back the juicy tidbit of what your prediction models are saying right now about the Ohio State-Michigan game, because I'm very intrigued by that. And then we'll talk about um, the, the the Brian Ferentz score watch and a number of other things around the big 10 and nationally we'll kind of wrap up at the end with that because i think there's some interesting numbers there but let's just start off with the, the basic numbers you have a, a power ranking and there's you know all those things you were just talking about that, that go into making that your power ranking right now has georgia number one and actually by a pretty comfortable margin 
uh, with a score of 30.3. Ohio State number two, 26.0. Then Alabama, 24.2. And Michigan, 23.9. And then a little bit of a gap down to the USC-Texas level. And then some some more gaps that kind of cascade down from there. But when you put the numbers in and that's what it spits out to you, was this about what you thought the preseason top four was supposed to look like? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the top four is pretty unanimous in some order at this point when you're looking at any any type of model like mine. Um, I will say I had to I, I did like a preliminary ratings, I think back in April, maybe. Um, and I I had Ohio State ahead of Michigan then. And I, I was like, is that right? Like, am I am I? is there something in there that I'm just like overlooking or whatever? Because I, I really wanted to give Michigan the benefit of the, of the doubt based on how the last two years have gone. And, you know, Ohio state's losing CJ Stroud um, among others. So, so I spent a ton of time like really studying both, both teams and looking at all the factors I mentioned earlier. And it is still shook out to Ohio state being, I've got them, you know, two points ahead of Michigan um, right now. Uh, and, you know, basically two points ahead of Alabama as well. So uh, I, I feel good about it. Uh, Georgia as a clear number one was was a no-brainer. I mean, no matter how you slice it, that's how it came out. So uh, I think the top four is, is pretty pretty unanimous. So we'll talk more about Michigan in a few minutes, but I want to zero in on what, you, what your numbers are telling you about Ohio State. You have them, as I said, number two overall, but tied with USC as the top offense in the country coming into the year, 452 is the rating there. And as an Ohio State fan, you are obviously well aware that you they don't know who the quarterback is yet or haven't named a quarterback. And the offensive line is what it is. It's, it, it, it's some, some questions left to be answered, I guess we'll say, on the offensive line. And, you know, things like running back, there's both positives and, and potential negatives there, I suppose. Why does your system, do you think, still have – Ohio State rated so highly, especially when you can't assume anything about the quarterback yet, and those other questions that I just mentioned. Yeah, yeah, no, that that's a fair question, and I and I will admit the when you so I, I feel really good about my power ratings. When you break it down further into the subcategories of offense and defense, I will say that's less in stone in my mind because. I kind of you so you would think I do an offensive rating and then do a defensive rating and then put those together and that's the power rating but I actually do it backwards of that I actually come up with the team holistic power rating and then I look at how those teams uh power ratings have correlated with their offense and defense you know in recent oh. years like I mentioned and kind of reverse engineer it that way um so to answer your question it's just a lot of benefit of the doubt based on what they've done offensively consistently under Ryan day. And if you're, even if you're looking at things like recruiting rankings, I would imagine there may not be an abundance of programs out there that have two quarterbacks in their room right now that are ranked as high as Comicord and Devin Brown. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's the thing. Like even, even if you wanted to, to take it a step further into that into okay well how have they recruited you know at that position it's like okay well they've got two two studs so generally those guys would on paper you know doing an exercise like this would project to be to be really good so you you factor that or you couple that with the fact that Ohio State's offense has been basically I think number one in my ratings for the last few years 
Um, in conjunction with, I, I do, like I said, I do look at the head coach. I, I don't just look at, oh, well, this team has been good for a few years. Like if, you know, Oklahoma lost Lincoln Riley and then, you know, last year they were terrible. So like you have to obviously factor those, those sorts of things in, but Ryan Day's offense has, has kind of earned the benefit of the doubt, even, even within the the numbers. We'll come back to head coach talk a little bit more in that third segment that I was talking about. But speaking of coaches, one of the things that has changed with Ohio State is obviously a new offensive coordinator, Brian Hartline, being elevated to that position. And we don't yet know what that's going to mean as far as his play calling duties yet. That hasn't been established in 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 stone, I suppose you would say. But if you're making preseason picks as a um as a, just a casual gambler or someone who's interested in this or not, not casual, but even at your level, are you paying attention to things that are that granular and how it might affect the team for a season? If you're going to try to, if you're betting on a win total, if you're betting on um, things like that, are you looking at things down to that minute of a level or because that's going to be a hard thing to quantify in the numbers you're doing? Are you inclined to, to set that aside? Cause it maybe doesn't make that much of a difference. That's a good question. And I, I look at those type of things similar to how we've talked in the past about like when a player misses a game, do I adjust my rating for that game? It's it's kind of the same concept. So there are very few guys that very few coaches or coordinators that would make me move the needle. But it's it's more in those situations, it's more about like the handicap versus the like number projection. It's like how like, OK, the numbers tell me this. And I know that this guy's a, a bad coordinator or a good good coordinator or whatever, that may sway me one way or the other, you know, or confirm what the numbers say, or if it's contradictory to what the numbers say, I you know, it's something I may just stay away from. Did you have to think about that as you're setting numbers this year? Because it may not be Ryan Day calling the plays and some of what you do is based on what Ohio State's offense has historically done with Ryan Day calling the plays. I I did not because like like you said that's that's hard to quantify. However, because college football is so nuanced and there is such turnover with coaches and with with rosters, um I am much quicker to adapt to what's happening on the field um than I think a lot of models are. Like I I know Bill Connolly with SP Plus has just flat out said like he uses his preseason numbers included with the on-field stuff pretty much the whole season. And I think I, I generally am going to have mine completely phased out to on-field performance by week six or so. I assume that's something that's changed over time for you. Have you found it to be more accurate as the years have gone on, as you've leaned yeah. into that more? Yeah, 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 definitely. And I mean, I mean, both even even bowl season last season was was really good. I, I think the only like late season week that I think really killed rivalry week uh, last year was, was pretty rough on me, but otherwise the second half of the season, I I found a lot of edges because my numbers had had adjusted to, you know, like a Kansas or something like that, that is doing more, you know, more or less on the field than was previously projected. And I'm, I'm just a little faster to uh, adapt to those things. So with a a score like this for Ohio state, because I kind of want to, I want to use your way of looking at the game to help people, maybe find a new perspective on how, how to look at this team as they're getting ready for the season. So this kind of an offensive score for Ohio state is that reflect a reflection more of production last season, even if Stroud isn't coming back or is it a, 
largely a product of a recruiting ranking that is very lofty year by year and especially is propped up by what they do recruiting receivers year after year. Both. Yeah, I mean you're you're spot on. It's it's both. It's a it's a combination of their of their recruiting plus what they've done on the field in terms of just, you know, scoring a, a million points a game um the last few years. Do you have to think about that too as you're setting this number? Like Ohio State's got this great offensive uh recruiting score probably by your system, but if X number of that, X percentage of that is at the same position, only three of those guys can be out there at any given time or four if, if Steven begs them enough, um, <laughs> do you have to back off of what you're predicting for Ohio State there? Um, it, it wouldn't change the number. Again, it, I do, you know, it, it's hard. I'm Being a one-man operation, it's hard to get that nitty-gritty with, you know, because I do numbers for all 133 FBS teams. So mm-hmm. it would be hard to get that, that nitty-gritty with every team. Now, being as close to Ohio State as I am, you know, I I do have that nuance. You know, th- thanks to you guys <laughs> that I listen to every day, um, I I do have that nuanced understanding of of how the offense is going to work. So again, it's something I keep in mind. You know, if I'm like going to bet an over or or something like that, especially early in the season, but it wouldn't necessarily affect the number that I'm putting out. Gotcha. We should say for people who are watching on YouTube, they can see the Twitter handle uh, over your head. But for those who are listening to us at Buckeye Tie Twenty Three. B-U-C-K-E-Y-E-T-Y-2-3. That's where you can find these preseason ratings. You put them out for free. There's just a link to a Google spreadsheet so people can see all, how many, 130, however many is it now? 132? 133 now. Two two more joined this year. 133, jeez. 133 teams, and you've got ratings for all of them. You've got schedule breakdowns for all of them. You've got over-under uh, calculations for all of them. It's It's a lot of work that you put in. Uh, so Ohio State number one in the country in offense, as we already said, number fifteen in defense, which on its face seems good or at least okay. Like it's it's definitely uh, better than what they have been at the end of a year defensively uh, from the numbers in recent years. Um, but at the same time, it's the, it's sixth best in the Big Ten. I actually had this wrong when I first texted about it. I think I said fourth best. It's actually sixth best among. Big 10 teams in your preseason rankings. And I'm curious how, let's talk first, I guess, just um, do you think, do you look at that and say that's a good number, maybe especially relative to what they have offensively, that they don't have to be as good, I guess, defensively. And that's how you end up with uh, a lofty overall score. Um, and, and is it hard? I, I guess, I mean, you can look at it even through the eyes of a Ohio State fan and say, I'm, I'm intrigued that the numbers say the defense could be that good. I think it's a good number. I think, especially st- to start this season, you know, considering in their two biggest games last year, they they kind of fell on their face a little bit defensively. I think going into this season with the with the defensive rating of nineteen point three, which, um, just so you guys have an understanding, basically my defensive rating is I tried to make it as simple as possible to understand. So it's basically how many points would you be expected to give up against an average FBS team? So for for right now, um, I think East Carolina is like right at average, which Michigan coincidentally plays. So Ohio State would be expected to give up 19 points to to East Carolina. So you know that to put that into context. Um, but no, I, I think it's a good number to start with. I am pretty optimistic that that's going to come down. You know that the 
ranking will go up, but the rating will go down. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. that the, the defense will will be better. The that the numbers will view the defense better as the season progresses. Now, obviously, as you said before, you base a lot of these numbers on the production from last year and recruiting rankings, things like that. But Ohio State made a huge impact through the portal on defense specifically in the offseason, whether it's Davis and Igbenosan, Jihad Carter, Taiwan Malone, um, even Lorenzo Styles Jr. We don't know yet how much he will play right away as a guy converting, uh, changing positions to corner. Uh, but then you've also got, you know, your CJ Hickses and your Sonny Styles, and I guess those are going to show up in their <clears throat> recruiting rankings, so they'll be represented there. But as for the, the, the transfer portal, um, is there any way – are you able to – factor that into the, these updated rankings or is that something that more gets folded in as the season starts going and the the, the past numbers get folded out the transfer portal still is hard however i do have to give a ton of credit to the folks at 247 sports who actually have done the work for me on that and they have their when you go to their um recruiting rankings pages uh they actually have you can click recruiting or you can click overall which includes the transfer portal um, so that was kind of my baseline to incorporate that into, into my numbers. But, but again, even unless it's like Caleb Williams transferring, like it, it's probably not really going to move the needle a whole, whole lot uh, in terms of, I mean, you're talking literally tenths of a point, probably if, if anything, um, unless it's just a huge impact guy that, that has a proven track record that you can, that I could kind of manually override the numbers and be like, okay, they're getting, they're getting um, uh, the guy from Alabama last year, Will Anderson. They're getting Will Anderson. Yeah, yeah. That you know, then I would make a manual adjustment. But unless it's a guy like that, it's it's not going to move the needle. It, and I guess I'll ask the same question. I would I would assume that this defensive rating for Ohio State is very heavily influenced by what I kind of just alluded to. That there's some guys who we haven't seen play yet: Sonny Styles, C.J. Hicks. Um, you've already, obviously the third year edge rushers that were highly ranked, we, we know about them in JT Tumalo and Jack Sawyer, but are those younger guys making an impact on this rating, uh, they, as you see it, um, in, in just the fact that this defense has guys that are that highly ranked, maybe it isn't, maybe, you're, maybe like you said before, that's more of the overall ranking that that influences yeah. right more than the offense or defense. Yes. And, and like I said, for because I do the weighted um, ranking because you know generally your third and fourth year guys are going to be more impactful. Um, you know your your second year guys. So there, I will say there is a big jump in my in my weight assigned from your first year to your second year. Like freshmen, because freshmen so rarely have a major impact, mm-hmm. I do kind of minimize that in terms of looking at the team talent score because. As we've seen, you know, like when when Marvin Harrison and those guys were freshmen, they're not playing, but they're impacting the talent. You know, they could potentially have impacted the talent score. So I, I try to I do want to include them because they are on the team and in theory could make an impact. But uh, I think we've seen more often than not that that impact is minimal. All right. So that sets the stage. We're going to come back from this break and we're going to talk about what your numbers say about Ohio State and Michigan. Uh, not just the season the Wolverines could have, but that specific game, because it, it came up with an interesting preseason result, I think. Stay here on Buckeye Talk. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we're back on Buckeye Talk. Tyler Shoemaker joining me, uh, talking his preseason rankings, the T-Shoe Index, the TSI, as, as he's come to call it for this year, and what it's telling us about Ohio State, and now what it's telling us about Ohio State in relation to Michigan. So you said your your numbers, your preliminary numbers came out, and you wanted to double-check them because you were worried that it wasn't giving Michigan enough credit. Um Kind of t- walk me through that. Is is that one of those things where the the granular numbers of Michigan sometimes haven't been as uh, impressive as the results that have, they've put on the field the last two years? Is that a reflection of that, or why do you think maybe you you questioned it uh, when you first saw it? Yeah, I mean, I just especially as it pertains to Ohio State, I'm always just kind of on edge. You know, I, I don't want to look like a homer. I don't want to, to be a homer, you know, cause I'm, sure. I'm trying to publish these ratings for, you know, all of college football fans to, to enjoy. So I don't want it to, to seem biased. So when I did the preliminary ratings and Ohio state came out ahead of Michigan, I'm like, well, is that, can that be right? But I mean, I, I spent a ton of time looking at this and I feel, I feel very comfortable with where the numbers shook out, which is, you know, Ohio state two points ahead of Michigan. Um, so it, it is what it is, but I, I did, Michigan is trending up. You know, like I said, I, I look at how, how their performance on the field has correlated with their recruiting rankings in, in recent years and Michigan's kind of correlation has continued to creep up. So I gave them another kind of optimistic projection forward again, again this year, and they're still two points behind Ohio state. So I, I did what I could with, with Michigan to give them every benefit of the doubt, but you know, I'm not going to just completely manually override it. Well, I was going to ask is, is that two point gap? I assume is, is a large part of that is recruiting rankings, right? That Ohio state is consistently a top two, three, five team in the ratings. And Michigan has its moments too, but is generally more of like what, like a top 10 or 15 program in the rankings. Yeah. So, so for this year, um, Ohio State is third in the four-year weighted recruiting ranking that I do, and Michigan is 14th. But that's pretty consistent with the last few years. I went back and checked, and mm. it's pretty consistent with where it's been. So I'm sure Michigan fans are pounding the table saying, "Yeah, we're you know we're always behind <laughs> Ohio State in recruiting, and we still have kicked their butt the last two years," which is is fair and something that I strongly you know considered and and thought about. But ultimately, the Again, like I always say, the numbers are the numbers, and I did give Michigan a generous projection forward, even even more of a correlation 
than what they had last year uh, in terms of their power rating uh, related to the recruiting ranking. So it came out, it came out, it, it is what it is. I'm, I'm excited. It's, it's very close. You know, I'm, as an Ohio State fan yourself, but you, you try to look at all these things through a, um, an objective um, lens and just look at the cold hard numbers. Has that given you any perspective on these last two Ohio State Michigan games? Has it have, have you in retrospect when you go back and look at it, you say, oh, you know what? When you look at the numbers, that makes sense. Or are you just as bewildered as any other Ohio State fan, or maybe even more so if you look at the numbers afterwards and you're like, oh, okay, this I, I it, it doesn't correlate. Yeah, it it, it really doesn't make sense. I, I think Doug has it <laughs> nailed. You know, when he don't tell him I said that. When he when he talks about he doesn't listen to this you know, podcast, <laughs> you know when he when he says you know maybe in twenty twenty one maybe it was a fo- a football thing but last year it was more of a mental thing and that's kind of what it's become because when you look at the numbers, like the numbers would tell you if these teams played a hundred times, Ohio State would win the the large majority of them. So the fact that you know again. I'm looking at it from a statistics and probability standpoint. It's a very small sample size, two two games. Like credit to Michigan, like that's that's how the sport works. I'm not taking anything away from them, but I think if those teams were to play a hundred times, like I said, I, I think Ohio State wins probably at least sixty, sixty five of them. Just ba- so based on based on everything that I have come to know to be true more often than not. So here was what really jumped off the page at me when I was looking through your stuff. Uh, soon after it came out. If you go to the team pages, you can go over, um, if you go over to the big 10 page, it's got every team. And then on the, on that page, it has off to the right. You can look, click on the team schedule. You click on Ohio state schedule. You click on Michigan schedule has game by game results with projected points and opponent projected points for every game. What is right now your, now I know this is rounded off. We can get into the decimals. But right now, as a whole number, what is your projected score of the Ohio State-Michigan game on November 25th? The rounded projected score is 30 to 30, which tells me that, <laughs> you know, what, and I, I project games like this all the time, and I'm telling you, the overtime rate in games like this is, like, way higher than you would think. It's it's insane how, how often wow. those games go to overtime. So, like, if we fast forward six months from now and and or five months from now and – that game looks like 2016 all over again. Like I'm not going to be the least bit surprised. Now, as you said, Ohio state is higher in your recruiting or in your, um, your power rankings by a couple points. I assume that the fact that this is in Ann Arbor is a big, what, what sort of equates this then a little bit. It's the equalizer here as far as that yep. projected score. Yep, exactly. So I, if I was making a line, I, w- I would actually have Michigan as a half point favorite. Um, so, you know, if you, if you wanted to make that a score, it'd probably be more like Michigan 31, Ohio state 30, but because of the rounding right now, it's, it's nice and tied and, you know, gives both fan bases anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> well, what does, yeah. What does it give you when you saw that result get spit out? Um, do you get excited as a college football fan um, and maybe especially because of what you, like you say, you've seen what these numbers sometimes mean uh, down the line that they can, they, you have reasonable certainty that these can be pretty accurate or it does the Buckeye fan and you went out and you're sort of hoping that somehow those numbers would tell you it was going to be a 10 point game in Ohio state's direction. 
Yeah, well, I knew I knew that wasn't going to be the case. So the fact that it's even tied, you know, or Michigan is a half point favorite, like I'll take that right now because that means you know they're Ohio State's right there. Uh, whereas I, I think I think the first time I was thinking about this today, the first time I was on Buckeye Talk was in 2018, and that was the last time that I can recall having Michigan as a favorite over Ohio State. And then Ohio State went and destroyed them with with Dwayne Haskins. But it is it is funny to think about. You know, that was the last time five years ago that I had this type of situation projected. I was looking at the even the the win totals for these two teams, and you have Michigan at ten point nine two and Ohio State at ten point eight four. So you can't get much tighter than that. Um, I assume though that with Ohio State having a better uh, power ranking by not a, a massive margin, but a couple points, as you say, this is a lot about Ohio State's strength of schedule, right? And in Michigan's strength of schedule even gets a little bit of a boost because it plays Ohio State. I suppose Ohio State does too by playing Michigan, but you see there there is a gap there. I think you had Ohio State about 30th nationally, and you had Michigan somewhere like, what, like 46th nationally yep. as, as, as it right. sits here in June? Yep. That's right. And, and Ohio State's strength of schedule is 1.5 points per game um, more difficult than Michigan. So what that means is the average power rating of the teams that Ohio State plays is 1.5 points higher than Michigan plays, which which doesn't sound like a lot. But I mean, when you're looking at the ratings, one and a half points would get you from USC at five to, you know, basically ninth, you know, ninth in the country or something. So one and a half points is is substantial, especially when you're talking about that multiplied over 12 games. So that that is a substantially more difficult schedule for sure. As you were following this, like you said, you've been doing this now several years, and you you were doing it starting at a time when Michigan was a, a tier below what they are now, at least a tier below what they are now. They didn't win any big games against anybody kind of anywhere. They certainly didn't beat Ohio State in any venue, and now fast forward to where they are being a you know back-to-back playoff appearances, back-to-back Big Ten championships, back-to-back wins over Ohio State. Did your numbers start to tell you this was coming in any way? Um, did they were they kind of overachieving at one point, and now it's be kind of caught up to where they your numbers are giving them that credit? I'm just kind of curious if if the math gave you any warning that Michigan was building to something as you look back now over these past you know three, four, or five years. No, I mean, I would love to say yes, I I saw it coming, but I mean, I just looking at, at the again at the recruiting, which is not everything, but it is kind of the baseline of. I mean, you look at the teams that win national championships, and they're all elite recruiters. Like you don't you don't win without elite talent, and Michigan just has not been at that level in terms of recruiting, which is why I mean, honestly, that's kind of why I'm like, okay, I've got to figure out how I can quantify this type of development that that Michigan because Michigan kind of does it better than anybody else in that upper tier, you know, because Ohio State and Alabama and Georgia, they're always awesome, but they always recruit like way above everyone else. Like that top three this year is is substantially ahead of uh, Texas A&M is next. And they're that's a complete tier below in terms of recruiting ranking. So Michigan, honestly, is kind of the team that made me have to look in the mirror and evaluate like, okay, I've, I, everyone's missing something. It, it's not just me. It's everyone that, that does 
numbers like this is missing something. How can I quantify this? And I, I'm pretty excited about the formula that I was, was able to put together. So hopefully it, it pans out. I mean, I'm, my number, you know, between Ohio state and Michigan is pretty much in line with the, with the betting market right now. I think most books have a look ahead line of like Michigan minus one. So, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with them, but I do think and hope that throughout the season, kind of my, my formula will, will uh, prove to be, you know, the most accurate. How did you, okay. So you, so you may, you have this kind of eureka moment and Michigan helped lead you there. Um, again, not, I don't want to, to, to give away anything too proprietary, but how did you then, how do how do you come up with, is it just a bunch of trial and error? Or are you just constantly trying different formulas and seeing what correlated in the past and what can now be, um, used in the future? Um, how, how much back and forth is there going on to try to come up with this, this correction that you think will make things even more accurate? Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of back and forth and a, a lot of trial and error. I mean, I, there's, I've definitely put hundreds, oh, like at least a, a hundred hours, like bare minimum hundred hours in over the last six months, uh, working on, on this because it's not just about who's going to be good this year or, you know, what are the, what does the data say this year? I had to go back to understand, you know, it's, it's kind of like one of those like old historic cliches, like to understand the future, you have to understand the past. And like, I really had to go back and I had to do my ratings like retroactively. Like I said, I'm back to 2013. I plan to go back even farther just, just for fun. But back to 2013 kind of gave me a, a good baseline to start with the, the last decade and, and do this exercise over and over in, in different formulas and trial and error and, Finally, I'm like, okay, I think, I think I've, I've got something. So, so we'll see. I'm, I'm very excited to see how it plays out. So the Michigan game, uh, 50% win probability, as you've more or less alluded to here, you saying that you would make Michigan a half point favorite and the score is essentially tied on your projections. Ohio State on the rest of its schedule has, let's see, what is it? Eight games where it's a 100% win probability um, for, by your model. And then three games, though, that are between 75 and 81%. And that's at Notre Dame, um, home against Penn State, and at Wisconsin. And those are back-to-back, so tough games there um, in, in a stretch at, at, once you get into late October. Um, anything about those projected results that surprised you as a as an Ohio State fan that with those a, a better – result and you thought all those games are at least a nine point cushion or does the math guy in you look at that and say well that's three you know that's 25 percent in on three different occasions i guess one's only about 20 um you know that increases the chances that somehow of those three there's one loss lurking in there yeah i mean i i hate to even say this because i'm going to end up being worse than nine and three, Doug. But I, I said the other day, God, I don't, I don't even know if I want to say it. I think, I think I would be more surprised if Ohio State goes twelve and zero than I would be if they go ten and two, based on the math, just on the on how the probability shakes out. I think I would be more surprised if they go twelve and zero than if they go ten and two. Now that's not me saying they're going ten and two. That's obviously I don't want them to as a fan, but. I mean, going to Notre Dame, Penn State, and my numbers are are 
pretty noticeably lower than the market on Penn State. I just, and I spent a lot of time on them too for that reason. Like, okay, I'm way different than everybody else here. Someone's going to be wrong because I, I spent a ton of time on them. And again, the numbers just, they were what they were. I couldn't, couldn't bring myself to, like there were no numbers that I could use to to get them any higher than than I have them. So I've got Ohio State favored by twelve at home against them, uh, and then Wisconsin's kind of the flip side where I'm pretty sizably higher on Wisconsin than the market is. Um, so I've got I've got respect for for this schedule for sure. It's it's very difficult. So I'm I'm very curious to see how they how they navigate that. We're going to talk about both those teams more because I, I had questions about how you came up with both of those numbers. Um, two key people that I wondered if, if got factored into that. So we'll get to that in just a second. But just finishing up as it relates to this Ohio State schedule, to have a team starting the year with four games where they're no better than a, well, one game where they're only a 50% um, favorite and three others where it's 75% or better. Is that in line with a lot of the other powers or as you're saying before, I mean, um, this, this strength of schedule is, is it, does it, is it reflected there? Like, is this, is this a tougher schedule than Georgia, Alabama um, by a considerable margin, what they're going to have to deal with? Uh, Definitely Georgia. I'm scrolling here to see, cause I had Georgia. Actually, Alabama's is tougher. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had Georgia pretty low. They're uh yeah, Georgia Georgia's fifty-three. So I mean their their schedule, you know, for a for a contending team, for a team that is as good as we know they are, and like I said, they're they're a clear number one, like not taking anything away from them as a team, but my god, their schedule is is not not good. So so yeah, like you said, Alabama's higher, so they've got a they've got a tough road. That's Alabama's number one in my in my talent rankings like pretty pretty sizably but their schedule is very tough so I've, I've actually got them going under their win total yeah just for people who don't know alabama plays texas at home um i'm skipping over some teams here but at texas a&m and who knows what texas a&m is going to be on any given day but i know why your your model would reflect you know the talent that they have um home against tennessee home against lsu that's two other teams that are probably generally pretty well thought of at Kentucky. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is a, a rough schedule and it's going to be interesting in this final year of the four team setup for the playoff. If those sorts of schedules end up tripping up a team that people maybe whether it's Ohio state or Alabama or somebody else, somebody that they, they have, a decent amount of confidence in being one of the four best teams, but just having that second loss is going to once again, keep somebody out. Yeah. And I just looked and the schedule strength of schedule difference between Alabama and Ohio state is similar to the difference between Ohio state and Michigan, just to put that in perspective. But then that tells you again, the huge gap then that's between Alabama and Michigan, as far as strength yeah. of schedule, like that's, and that's where sometimes this shows up, you know, Michigan's got to win like, the one game maybe that pushes him through, whereas Alabama's got to dance through a, a minefield, and and so does Ohio State to, to some extent, maybe just a, a smaller minefield. So um, a couple of Big Ten teams I want to ask you about, and I'm just going to open it up for anything that really caught your eye <laughs> as we wrap things up here with Tishu on Buckeye Talk. So you mentioned not having Penn State ranked 
as high as maybe the the market does, as some of the national projections do right now. Uh, the the offensive score seems held back a little bit for them. How do you or do you factor in the Drew Allar upside there? Because there's obviously not really a lot of returning production for him. But if someone like that hits, it really changes a, a lot for that team. It changes the complexion of a season. So I didn't specifically account for Drew Aller per se. Um, and again, the key distinction here between like his situation and like Kyle McCord's situation is if Drew Aller hits, he's a savior and he's something different that they have not had. Something that, that the Penn State offense has not exhibited yeah, once under, under James Franklin. Whereas Kyle McCord, if he doesn't hit, given Ryan Day and Ohio State's track record, it would be a surprise and a deviation from the norm. So that that's why my philosophy and, and why the numbers kind of on those two teams may seem like they contradict uh, e- each other because McCord and, and Al are kind of in similar situations as far as their, their experience. But again, one's playing for Ohio State and Ryan Day and one's playing for Penn State and James Franklin. And I have to kind of lean on not just the recruiting, but the the track record of success there. Your projections make Wisconsin a pretty big favorite in the West uh, to start the year. They're like a, a full win, almost projected over the second place team, which is Iowa in the power ratings. They're, um, they would only be the fourth best team in the East by the power ratings, but that's still four points over Iowa. Uh, why, I guess, um, do your numbers like Wisconsin so much? And and maybe you kind of already alluded to this. Do you factor a head coaching change into that at all? Um, and getting someone like Luke Fickle, do you have to try to find a way to have that impact your numbers? I did. I did. And this is this is one of the exceptions to, like I said, generally, I think, Players are overvalued. Coaches are overvalued in in terms of like doing this exercise, not, you know, on the field or whatever. But in terms of this exercise, a lot of times those people get overvalued. I think Luke Fickle is one of the exceptions here. So I absolutely did factor in the coaching change. I so kind of the process there with Wisconsin and, and not just Luke Fickle. They brought in Tanner Mordecai at quarterback mm-hmm. who who demonstrated success at, at SMU. I'll be at a, at a smaller level, but I think I think the kid can play. He's not a noodle arm for sure. So, um, factoring in what Luke Fickle did at Cincinnati, I kind of went back and looked, kind of took an average of like, okay, how did Luke recruit at Cincinnati versus how that how that correlated to his power rating there? What has Wisconsin demonstrated as a program is kind of their ceiling. And, and kind of found some middle ground there to give me an idea of like what this might look like. So again, I could be wrong on Wisconsin. I'm higher than most on them. You are, you know, TSI is higher than most on them. So <laughs> as a team, I'm very curious to, to see, because I think, I think I agree with the numbers. I, I think Luke Fickle and Tanner Mordecai with that defense and with, um, Gosh, his name escapes me. The the running back. I I think they're going to get it done. Braylon Edwards. Uh, yeah. It, yeah, Braylon Edwards. Yeah, I, I think they're going to get it done in in the West. Uh, Wisconsin also an Ohio State opponent. 
uh, playing in Madison this year, you still have Ohio State as a 10-point favorite, or TSI has Ohio State as a 10-point favorite there, 34-24 to 24, as it looks at it in the preseason. But um, you know, we'll see how once these new quarterbacks get going for both these teams, it could, I suppose, change that number. Uh, as you were thinking about tweaking teams based on head coaches, any of that apply to Nebraska at all with uh, Matt Rule taking over there? From a, again, not from a numbers perspective, because I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm wrong on this, but my gut told me that that was not the same thing as Luke Fickle. I, now I did consider like, I okay, like I know what, I know what he did at Baylor. So again, it's one of those things like, okay, if the number says, you know, bet them or bet their win total over or whatever, and then I'm like, okay, and they have Matt Rule. Like that would be like a a factor that would be like, okay, cool. That's a, that's a cherry on top. But it was not part of the sausage making uh, process here. Gotcha. From the Big Ten or anywhere, I guess. Uh, what team surprised you, or what maybe what result surprised you when you did the math? My son is like 14 months old now. One of the few things that he knows how to say so far is. Oh wow, and it's it's really funny. <laughs> and I'm wondering if you were doing these numbers and at any point did a little Bennett Baird. Oh wow, cuz you were surprised <laughs> by what it shot back out at you. Um, I'm trying to think here without dragging on the whole podcast to really go through it. Um I mean, Tennessee's pretty high. I've got them at 8, well, tied for 7 with with LSU, so that was kind of like Okay, but again, with them, I their number could have been higher had I put more weight into last year, but I I didn't because I I don't think they've earned that benefit of the doubt either. Because looking at their kind of trajectory and and how things have been in the past, like last year looks to be more like the exception than the rule. So happy to be wrong there, but I I think them at, at tied for seven is is pretty generous on my part. Um, Washington at 16, I think a lot of people are are riding the bandwagon there. Uh, or, you know, as you guys say, I think a lot of people are driving the bus for Washington. TSI is not one you, of them. Because... You've driven the bus before for Washington, have you not? <laughs> and I and I learned I it's, learned my you lesson. Sold that. <laughs> you signed over the title to the Washington bus. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know what was a, a worse take on my part, the Washington playoff pick. Or the Trey Sermon under rushing yards in the Big Ten Championship <laughs> in 2020. It's it's a toss up, honestly. Can't you can't win them all, folks. Actually, and there's one that I, I forgot to bring up in the Big Ten, but we have to talk about it uh, because uh, Doug isn't here to talk to you about it. But somebody's got to talk about it. The gauntlet has been laid down. It's in his contract. Brian Ferentz has to get the Iowa offense to average 25 points a game. What does your projection say the chances of Brian Ferentz keeping his job are? It's so funny. I I recently had a tweet talking about this exact thing. I've got Iowa at 26 points per game. <laughs> so so <laughs> uh, according according to the numbers, Brian Ferentz is going to barely keep his job. Because I, I was looking at it and I was like, what would be some just interesting nuggets to look at? I'm like, let's look at what Iowa's projected over under average is going to be for each game and is 44 and a half. And Ohio State's by contrast is 
58 and a half. <laughs> so two full touchdowns higher. Wow. <laughs> and F- FBS average uh, is, is 55 just for, for reference. <laughs> now, part of that is you have in eight of their 12 games allowing uh, under 20 points or holding an opponent under 20 points. So that, that fairly, that is part of it too. But um, yes, yeah, so you're not expecting an offensive explosion, but you might be expecting a uh, letter of the law. Brian Ferentz can at least say, you can fire me for other reasons, but not for the 25 point thing. I just hope Doug's at that press conference. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Doug, will, uh, we'll see if he if he uh, stumbles over to uh, Kirk Ferentz's table at Big Ten Media Days. I can't remember if the Hawkeyes are going at the same time as Ohio State or not, but um, we'll see if he uh, if we get a, a a redo of of that that famous <laughs> face off from 2022. Uh, before we let you go, uh, I was thinking of this just in terms of betting the Buckeyes. You like futures bets. Um, you like betting on projected win totals. Anything out there that um, uh, somebody should go jump on before the rest of the world gets wise to it. And uh, not because necessarily your numbers, but be- because uh, other people are doing this uh, and and start giving out their own projections. Anything out there that... Uh, where there's a big gap or something that is something people could really jump on to, to get ahead of the market. Uh, yeah, there's a couple I like. And and if you guys listen to betting the Buckeyes, you know that most of my value is going to be with the group of five with teams that nobody cares about. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you three here real quick. Um, FAU under seven and a half wins. I've got them projected at basically five under, under five, actually. Um, Troy, their win totals eight and a half. I've got them at like six, six and a half. And then Akron, who I'm way higher than the market on, but I'm again, I'm a Joe Moorhead believer. Their over under is only three and a half. I've got them at five and a half, and their strength of schedule is one fourteen in the country. So I think that's a that that's that's a really good recipe for for a season win total over. And if Steven were here, he'd want me to make sure to mention that Kent State projected right now two and a half wins, TSI projecting them over four and a half wins. So possibly and also a very bad strength of schedule, 86th. Um, so possibly some value in the the golden Stephen Meanses. Yep, ab- absolutely. Um, Tyler, remind everybody where they can find you, where they can read you, where you're going to be doing stuff besides hopefully with us still on betting the Buckeyes. Yeah, def- definitely follow me on, on Twitter at BuckeyeTie23. I'm really, really getting ramped up right now with – with content and, and putting out charts and, and just different data. And obviously as the season approaches, uh, I'll be putting out a ton of betting content. Hopefully we'll be back for season two of betting the Buckeyes, um, which was a lot of fun. So hopefully, hopefully you'll join us there and, and we'll have another good season. Well, thanks for joining us uh, coming in on a, a busy Monday night in the, in the summer to give us an update on what you're expecting from Ohio state. And we'll definitely be touching base with you again as we get closer to the season. And we'll just remind, remind everyone, get the text. If you haven't already, 614-350-3315. We're going to be doing some things with that this summer, uh, keeping people engaged there again, the two week free trial. So uh, no downside to trying those. And uh, we're going to roll right into preseason camp here before we know it here in about what, like five or six weeks. So looking forward to that. Thanks to Tyler Shoemaker for joining me. I'm Nathan Baird, and that was Buckeye Talk.